Hello, and welcome back to Make It 10 Marathon. This is a slightly abnormal episode because, as you may have guessed, I'm Fletcher. And I'm Elisa. And this week, we are without your standard hosts because we are going to cover a game that only the two of us really did a full dive into, Strange Journey Redux, or as I'm going to be referring to it because it just flows better off my tongue, Deep Strange Journey, a remake of the 2010 DS title that you might already know the name of came to the 3DS in early 2018. It's based in no small part off the SMT4 Apocalypse engine, and a lot of things we'll get into in a minute lead to that, as well as there being a special thanks to the development team of that game alongside Strange Journey in the credits. This also came as promotion with a free Jack Brothers game that not a lot of people in the West got to play because it was all in Japanese. Synchronicity Prologue, a PC-only title, was a Metroidvania where you played as both Pyro and Jack Frost, running around the Schwarzwelt and the Arctic itself, exploring, getting new power-ups. It had a lot of interesting use of the characters in that you would be, say, destroying icy paths as Pyro Jack with your heat and then switching over to Jack Frost to traverse them. Later on, you would get a Demonica suit for Mr. Frost, and he would then have ranged attacks that were different than just ice, so on and so forth. It's pretty neat and well worth messing with if you are a fan of the genre. You cannot find it on Atlas's website anymore, but it is still out there, and I want to say someone made a quick translation patch for it, so you can at least decipher what you are doing in menus. The game is a 99% faithful remake, so this episode is going to be pretty quick to cover over details of how it works. We're mostly just going to talk about changes since the entire original story and combat are within. The art assets are a higher resolution than they originally were, which is very nice on the 3DS screen. And you also have a massive change in that last 1% because... Let's see. Uh, Redux is to Strange Journey, like... Uh, Shimagami Tensei Nocturne Maniacs was to Nocturne Vanilla, uh, you know, minus uh, Dante. <laughs> uh, That's true. That would make for a hell of a change, though. That would. <laughs> that would be amazing. So the biggest change, um, the game adds an entirely new sector called the Womb of Grief, which is a seven-floor super dungeon complete with new bosses, forma, its own story, and a variant new endings to the game, just like it with Nocturne's Labyrinth of Amala. Uh, the second biggest change, which pairs with the Room of Grief, um, is a new character named Alex, who breaks into the game with a bang and shifts up the storyline in uh, ways that imply not only is this game a remake, but that the original game did very much so happen. Um, so let's see. In general, um, also all named crew members have their own unique art and uh, voice acting. You know, it's all Japanese only, of course. And there's also more uh, animated scenes uh, within the game when you have like major moments, which are, you know, very nice looking. You know, of course, in the very... There's a weird one there, uh, mm -hmm. which they did some scenes for the promotion of this game that I was never actually able to see inside of it. Yeah, that's true. Because I was watching over old trailers doing research for this earlier and checking a couple of facts, and there were scenes like 
two of the bosses fighting each other in the streets of Earth. I don't recall that actually making it into the game, even when Alex is telling her story. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it seems like they cut, they, they probably either cut out things or they probably just animated stuff for the trailers only and then didn't put it in the game. But, yeah, it was just an interesting... Uh, yeah. They they had much more of an implication that her story would be seeing what happened on Earth, and then, no, uh, that, that's not in the game. I know. I kind of wish they had done that, though. That would have been pretty cool. It would have been a nice new chapter, yeah. It would have. Um, and then, you know, of course, too, uh, we have a brand new animated opening for the game. Uh, heavily spoilered. So if you're playing this game for the first time, like you've never touched Strange Journey... Please skip that opening, because it's going to ruin everything. <laughs> but, it, it will tell you so much and imply much more. Yeah. Exactly, you know, so, but, um, you know, once you get past certain points, like, most of the game, you know, definitely go back then and enjoy the opening. It's beautifully animated, so it's very, very fun. Um, let's see. So, we are also the um, crew members' uh, portraits, as well as uh, Zeleni, uh, Jimenez, Commander Gore, and the protagonist, uh, they were designed or redesigned by um, Masayuki Doi. He was the uh, lead character designer for Shin Megami Tensei IV, and in this title, he takes over for longtime Mega Ten series character and demon designer uh, Kazuma Kaneko. Uh, Doi also designed the new boss demons for the uh, Woomer Grief, except for Fornius, Ishtar, and Maria. Uh, he also designed Demeter and uh, Shekinah, which we'll, t- we'll talk about those two later. So uh, the sub-apps underwent a major change. And this also ties back to that, you know, probably the SMT4 engine thing. So some of those uh, sub-app changes are you no longer have a limit on how many can be equipped at once. Uh, you buy it and then equipped it forever. Of course, like a few of them can't be active simultaneously for obvious reasons because they'll they clash with each other. Um, yeah, basically it's you know SMT four sub app system without the memory limit uh, function, and you also don't have to be at a terminal anymore to change them up. As long as you can access the menu, which you always can. You can switch up your uh, apps. So you can do that on the fly. It's pretty handy. If you're playing on any difficulty level but impossible, there's four difficulty levels now, a new app debuts um, with the initial crop at game start. It's called March to Death. If equipped, the uh, main character's death is no longer a game over. And as long as you can survive, win, or escape the battle, he'll revive with one HP at the um, end of the battle. Um we also have commander skills, which are new sub apps that you get at a rate of about one per sector, and they permanently grant new moves your MC can use in battle with certain limits. They don't have an MP cost, but they have a turn cooldown. Uh, generally, rather potent party wide buffs at the expense of the commander not taking a turn. For instance, like one mage go, all allies gain attack boost this round, something like that. We also have auto command skills which are similar to command skills, but instead of an only every X turns cooldown, um, they fire automatically based on your luck stat. Um, well, it seems to be based on the luck stat. Uh, they're just great buffs that could go off at the beginning of a turn before you move, uh, so you can strategize around them. For example, one will um, grant you the ability, you know, moves cost no MP this turn, or all allies strike first next round, that sort of thing. 
And then the Room of Grief itself, the bonus dungeon, adds a lot of new sub-apps, which seem like responses to very uh, pointed crimin- uh, criticisms of Strange Journey Vanilla. Um, and basically, one of them, for instance, uh, allows you to tap a teleporter uh, on the map and see exactly where it will send you. You know, So that's a, that's a big one. And there was also an interview that was done with the director that does confirm a lot of those improvements are directly from player feedback. So that was a really cool, like, bonus content they added just to address a lot of those issues. So the womb of grief um, that adds a lot of new sub apps as well, which um, basically as confirmed by an interview with uh, the director of the game that it would they these apps were made uh, to as responses to very pointed criticisms of Strange Journey Vanilla. Uh, for instance, uh, one of the very first apps that you get uh, allows you to tap a teleporter on the map and see exactly where it will send you. Uh, so I thought that was a really cool touch, the fact that they took in a lot of player feedback and then decided to put out a lot of optional apps in order to fix those issues that, you know, cause so much frustration. Pretty much everything that was a major buzzkill for some sort of player or another in the first game has been designed around with an app. Uh, we'll get to a couple of those in the quality of life changes in a second, but this especially means that for all the new areas... They had to do different things with the dungeons. So there's a couple of teleporter mazes, but they're not just point A to point B to point D to point X. It's different, more logic-based puzzles that you have to figure out, since you can just see with a quick touch, okay, this will take me here. Have I been there? No, let's go on. Exactly. And I have to admit, too, that, um, you know, some of the logic puzzles can get a little, like, tough or taxing but overall i kind of like the idea of having to like piece through certain things and like actually figure out patterns uh with the dungeons versus me just being randomly shuffled around for no reason i like the version they do in the empyrean ascent more than the one in the womb of grief i agree that one was the best one And the Womb of Grief, we'll get there, but I think the issue with that first one is the fact that it requires you to keep track of so much that is not marked on your map. Yes. So there's a lot of backtracking if you do not have a route handy. That is very true. Yeah, you really need a map for the uh, Womb of Grief ones. (laughs) So, speaking of more positive things, the quality of life changes I mentioned, these are just a lot of small things. Visualizer will now, A, not display an animation every friggin' time you enter a dark space, and B, maps that dark space automatically, removing the need for the New Game Plus only app that mapped dark spaces. Sick Bay Healing is now free. You just go back to the ship and of course they're going to heal you, because why would they not? That was always dumb. 
<laughs> We're here fighting for humanity. 50 bucks, please. Your insurance doesn't cover the copay. <laughs> exactly. The Gibo Eyes app in the original game, which would display little symbols on enemy resistance and weaknesses, like a little minus if you were about to attack someone who would repel or absorb it, uh, plus, etc., if you were hitting a weakness, is now just built into the stock UI. This means that the quest that gave it to you, Black Box Recovery 1, now gives you Omen Bug, another app that's basically a criticism response. If you are about to step on a teleporter or a pit trap, Omen Bug A warns you so you have another chance to back up, and B marks it on your map so you don't have to fall in every one of them to map them now. This is huge. That is that that's an amazing feature. I love it, and especially because this is not Etrian Odyssey. You you have a quest to fill out the maps and this means you can do that without having to go up and down and up and down on a few floors. Exactly. And it really saves so much time because it's just, I, I, I'm thinking about all the floors where you just have to drop down constantly and it's oh, so awful. Oh, it's <laughs> it's what makes doing uh, the New Game Plus stuff in Grus so nasty, especially if you are just on autopilot going between a few things. It's like, oh, nope, fell in the wrong one. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to backtrack like three floors. Yeah, now <laughs> I gotta go three stairways over to get back to where I was so I can go in the pit to the left. Exactly. I think I think I kind of cheated a bit and like I just started quick saving constantly. So if I messed up, I would just reload the quick save and then just like actually pick the right path. And since you mentioned that, I'll just jump ahead to that one. There are now 20 save slots in the game and one of them is a field save slot, which is a permanent not consumed on loading quick save. So there's only one of those slots, though. So if you have multiple playthroughs going or are sharing a cart with other people, be real careful about relying on that. Make sure to put down a hard save here and there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you have all of SMT4's fast-forward function and keybinds. You can change what the stick does versus the D-pad if you want one to be constant run and the other to be step-by-step -step or set hotkeys on the L, R, and X buttons. You don't have to have the menu be the same one if you don't want. You can switch that all around. It's it's a little bit of customization. I would use mine to quickly tweak apps, actually. Yeah, good idea. And a few of the later bosses, Captain Jack specifically, no longer seem to use incredibly cheap skills like Pure Blood and Sunset Melody every other round. So this is probably them fixing a bug akin to Mott and Nocturne. Fuck that guy. <laughs> no boss in this series has ever made me as angry as Mott, the man who can give himself more turns to give himself more turns to, oops, I cast <laughs> Almighty twice. I, oh my god, just the worst. Yeah, yeah. Thank god they never repeated that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that everyone on this show has to get around to that one again soon. Exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, it's okay. They have rebalance patches now. You can use those. That's true. So, uh, similar to SMT four and Apocalypse, there is now optional down optional downloadable content for the game. Half of it, at least as we write this, and I did check earlier, it seems like it's going to be permanent is free and consists of gimmick gear that would basically be an assist at the start of the game only. 
armor that is equal to in defense to your default piece in the name, but gives you better maka or XP drops, a pack of bonus weapons, and one pack that gives you one of each of the new consumable items, because the other half is effectively cheat DLC. Four sub-apps that let you double forma drops. Uh, opening one forma will give you twice the items inside. Gain new consumables from battle that just give raw XP on one character. It comes in three varieties, small, medium, and large. Basically, large will always fill your meter. Medium takes two of them, and small, you need four of them for a level. But if you're partway to a level, you might need less. Yeah. Uh, drops that are designed to be sold for massive amounts of cash. They sell for 1,000, 5,000, and 20,000 each, and they're small, medium, and large. And Forma Scanner DX, which allows you to find Platinum Forma in the field. And these things are everywhere. I had to turn this off because it was yeah. so annoying after a while. But the Platinum Forma will only drop Mighty Core DX, a material used to create demon stat boost items akin to incenses for your protagonist. For what it's worth, these are only stronger in that they A, give plus 3 to a stat instead of plus 1, and B, they actually heal the demon. Uh, there are incenses you can make from New Forma in the Womb of Grief. They will only raise a stat by one, and they do not do the full heal. Yeah. I actually hate that there's a cute scene associated with these that is locked behind having to pay for one of the DLC. When you go to the lab, you will find Chen alone, and she's just been dicking around with the machinery in her spare time. When she notices you, she's like, hey, uh, let me let me just talk to you. You know, you're not Irving, but let me tell you what I've been doing down here. And you have basically give her a bunch of odd looks because she has created God mode for your Demonica suit. Then Irving comes in, sees what she's done and goes, holy crap, Chen, when we get out of here, you get a Nobel Prize for this. And <laughs> after that, you are granted whichever sub app you are going to equip. What was also cool too is that um, if you get these, um, you know, if you buy this DLC uh, later on in the game, like after you do the um, the route when you're you know when you're embedded in your route, so if you're on law, or chaos, or neutral, it actually changes the dialogue between uh, Chen and Irving depending on the route. So, for instance, if you know neutral route, it's going to be basically how it was laid out just now um if you're on law route you know it's gonna they're gonna be way more formal with each other and be like this is for like the good of you know establishing order and everything like that you know basically how a law puppet would talk um and then chaos route you know they get a bit more like guttural and uh and i don't want to say nastier with each other but you know on that kind of level of uh uh, so it's, it's, it's really interesting that they actually changed the dialogue based on the route. I thought that was a really, really cool touch. It's, it's very nice, and I have to give them credit because that's the kind of thing that probably took more than a little bit of scripting to do than, you know, good on them for actually going there with that. Exactly. Because that is a thing that if you had not mentioned that to me while we were doing this, I never would have thought to check for yeah, it was kind of accidental. Like, I just happened to want to try out the DLC, and I happened to be trying out routes real fast, and then I was just like, wait a minute, is this dialogue different? And then I went back and I kept checking, and I was like, oh, that's such a cool bonus. 
Like, I love that kind of stuff, too. Yeah. That is sweet. And finally, technically, this is a new translation, but as far as anyone has been able to tell, at least in the Googling I did, the Japanese game had exactly the same text, and so the only difference in English is a new localization team went over it. A couple of lines have been redone, a few skills were renamed, and there's a really weird quirk in the opening scene where the Schwarzwelt Council refers to the image of Budas as a business district, where everywhere else in the game it will be called the Whorehouse Cathedral or the Red Light District. And I did go boot up my copy of Strange Journey on the DS to check. That was not an error in the original game. I have no idea why that was there. Yeah, it is kind of odd. The only thing I could think of is, well, other than it being an error, is that maybe the console was trying to be nice about it and they didn't want to say, like, Red Light District or Whorehouse. I I could see if they were trying to make it, but man, business definitely gives a whole other vibe. Exactly. (laughs) And it's only in that one spot because, again, everyone else will refer to it as the Red Light District. So it's, it's just strange. It stands out for being one of the first lines in the game you see. It is. Also, they took out one of the best uh, translation errors. Uh, no more Mistress Jimenez uh, uh, towards the end. <laughs> that that did make me laugh, and I am going to miss it. However, it's not like they did not add similar weird oops, QA slipped bugs in the end game, because on the law route, Irving's dialogue has spacing issues, so it will start running out of the text box or have... Uh, gaps in where he's speaking oh yeah so you know QA on a massive game like this kind of a pain when you're a smaller company yeah I would imagine and this is Fletcher from the future chiming in at this point if you find yourself intrigued by these quality of life changes I recommend you stop listening to the podcast at this point and go out and pick out a copy of Deep Strange Journey it's quite nice it's cheap with the holiday sales going on right now And after a break, using the Alex Boss theme, you will be able to listen to us discuss the actual Nuke features. Thank you, and have a good day. So if you want to know about how the actual gameplay is and everything like that, we have the Strange Journey episodes in the show archive. What we're going to get to is just jumping ahead a little. And around Sector B, 
the game goes off on an entirely different tone. Because when you're doing the set beacons quest, you will put down the second one, walk a few steps, and then a woman in a black demonica walks out of nowhere, jams your comms with a black Arthur unit named George, and curb stomps you. You flat out bleed out, and the last things you hear before dying are her saying that she's just got to find Jimenez and Zelenin now, the latter of whom you haven't even seen since the opening. You then wake up in a biological nightmare of flesh and trees called the Womb of Grief under the care of Demeter, the Harvest Goddess. She calls the place a prison, but says you seem worth looking after, and wishes she could do more for you because, as a Harvest Goddess... She can't really do much for combat. She, in fact, does not even heal your dead demons. You are alive with one HP about a step from the door on this place. There is an excellent moment here. When you leave and return to the ship, everyone panics because your vitals flatlined and Jimenez even says, what the fuck, I watched you die. <laughs> exactly like, it was amazing they gave him a new expression for this and this is where the first of the new character portraits start coming in and it's great because he looks like shaggy just tripping out what are you doing <laughs> zoinks <laughs> oh. so the womb of grief you've got seven floors to this place the first one where you're deposited is called the ingress it's designed to be taken in waves alternating with the main story, and most of the floors will correspond to a combination of... Like, the Ingress is basically Antlia and Butes, Butes and Karina, etc., as you go on down. Generally, there's one or two points where this is not true, and you can actually speed ahead if you want to, you know, make things of yourself. You cannot get further once you get to a new floor until you get the next plot item, be it a phase shift, a gate search, an unlock, whatever. However, they do know that you're going to be going back and forth a lot, so the sector has two elevators near where you start. One that goes from the ingress to the third floor and everywhere in between, and one from the third floor to the sixth. So... One of the first things you'll do whenever you hit a new floor is probably loop back towards this elevator room with a hidden door that'll just let you get in. Yeah. And the progression from here on out is you can do this two ways. And we'll cover a little of this when we get to breaking down the endings and some of the endgame stuff. But now there is the womb is here. Alex will start inserting herself into the story missions, but you can entirely ignore the Womb of Grief for the whole game after you leave it. If you want to just do the original endings, that's free, and there will just be basically one new boss fight at the end, and that's it. We are going to discover, or cover, the fact that you can do all of this dungeon and get a whole second extra dungeon for your troubles at the end, and that's how you unlock the new endings and new story content. So the Ingress, if you were to do it right now, is pretty simple. Most of these floors have a gimmick of some kind. This one is. It's a maze of one-way floors and one-way doors with a lot of space in between them. So you have an auto map. This is pretty quick. The first sphere, though, is the Ingress's asshole older brother. You have massive floors that are one way, but they take you to teleporters, all of which will lead you back save one. 
The problem is everything is out of your viewpoint, so you can't really tell where you're going and have to go on blind faith for a bit. However, you do get one handy thing here, which is this is where the Guidance Angel sub-app can be found, the one that lets you tap a teleporter on the minimap and see where it goes. As well, this is also the first floor that has a new boss. Here it's Anahita, who's weak to fire, and their only interesting move is blocking all flame attacks for a few turns with the skill Wall of Ice. You kill her fast, it doesn't really matter. She gets a little bit of a damage boost at 40% health. And that's another thing about these new bosses. They started scripting in events that trigger at different phases of the battles. Note whether you've done X amount of damage or taken so many turns. And the Womb of Grief is where a lot of new battle design comes in for the series. Yeah, actually, uh, that's that's one thing I really liked about the uh, Womb of Grief. Uh, the bosses, I felt like they were some of the best bosses that I fought in this game. Just really amazing. Not only were the designs really cool for them, but just like a lot of um, the, the strategy that involved them. Um, one of my favorites, which I think we'll get into a bit later, is um, Zeus. He was a phenomenal boss. Zeus is excellent and, yeah, easily one of the best designs and fights in this game. Uh, Absolutely. What we should also point out is we've said there's a new artist on this game. There's a lot of returning sprites because they used up versions of characters who existed, but yeah. this is not like SMT4 where the new artist stuff stands out in a bad way. This yeah. is, like, some of the new designs are easily some of the best things in this game. Yeah, yeah, Masayuki Doi is, uh, he's an incredibly talented artist. And you can see, like, he's clearly, you know, the successor to uh, Kaneko. Because he, like, not only does he do such a great job uh, redrawing the original uh, artwork for the characters, like Himenas and, like, Zelenine, you know, it just really captures their look. But just like you said, the bosses themselves, like the... The demon designs that he does are incredible. Like, he does some great work. They are absolutely fantastic. And that's, I think, part of what makes this work is this could have been a very cheap cash-in. We're reusing assets. We brought back old character sprites. And there are there are some, you know, classic demons who appear in this who weren't in the original stuff. But yeah. they really go the mile to... I sort of feel like this game might be what they have wanted to make of Strange Journey, yeah. but I always felt the back half of that was a little rushed. This feels more fleshed out. Exactly. Like, they, they were able to really pour in, like, kind of their dreams for this game. And you feel, like, that kind of passion they had for it, you know, in the game. And even in the interview, you know, when the director was talking about the game itself and everything that he was able to add and even more stuff that he wanted to add in too. So it's just, it's really nice to see that. Cause it's a, honestly, I love strange journey. I think it's a great, great game. So it's nice to see that the team is very passionate about it as well. And even better, just that they came up with new concepts and new ways to do things in this battle system that you haven't, I can't think of seeing any of the, some of these in the series as a whole. Yeah, exactly. But we will get there, because next up, we're going to go back to Alex's next arrival in the story, which I actually think is probably one of the best moments with her in the game. 
You yeah. are pursuing Horkos in the back half of Karina. You've just gotten the phase shifter. And you're going on the second loop of, oh crap, he's running away. I heard a phase shift. About two steps from the thing, Alex suddenly blocks your comms and comes out of nowhere on the other side of a one-way door. However, this plays out like an actual battle. The problem is, she will win because while you can't damage her, her HP is endless and she targets your demons first. Uh, if you let her get to that point, the demonica will tell you, Suggestion, retreat for now and find another path, which is basically it saying, book it for the phase shifter. You get to run the last few feet with the alert icon on red and she's right behind you. Then suddenly you realize after the cutscene ends and Jimenez is able to contact you again with her jamming gone. Oh, um, I'm in the middle of the dungeon, nearly at the end. All my demons are dead. Yeah. Um, also, I'm going to note this. Um, I am a complete coward. So <laughs> when I uh, played this game, when I played this part, and right in the beginning of the battle, before uh, Alex gets any turns off, like, Dem uh, Demeter's like advice is just ringing in my head like you know if you encounter her don't fight her okay I'm not gonna fight her so I look at the escape I see I can escape 100% like at the beginning that's immediately what I did I didn't even try to fight her I didn't drag it on I just <laughs> escaped <laughs> that makes one of us because I was just thinking you know maybe this is the one man. nope 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 <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just booked it immediately. And then the same thing plays out where once you escape, you know, you get to run to the phase shifter and leave. And now my cowardly behind has all my demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you came out of this completely unscathed. And meanwhile, I realized, oh, crap, I'm on a blind map with none of my demons at like 10% health. Whoops. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but... I, I really do love this, and this, you know, her first goal is to kill you three, and so that's what she's doing for the first chunk of the game. Yeah, exactly. I really liked it a lot, like how they played it out. It was, it's very fun and tense. Then, so about here uh, on the new content, you're going to loop into the second sphere because you have the phase shifter and uh, a couple of unlocks. This floor is a specialty tile nightmare. There are a lot of long, winding hallways of damage tiles, sleep tiles. I think there's a couple of poison tiles. Mm -hmm. And in one, there is one massive room that is all damage floors with a variety of branches off of it that has pit traps in it. And they're not marked. So, if you are doing these at the same level that you go through the main game, you know, immediately unlocking the womb stuff as soon as you can, you will not have the app that makes this very simple, Omenbug, that we mentioned earlier. Meaning you get to figure out which ways you can cross, <laughs> what ways are safe to pass, <laughs> on an entire floor of damage tiles... So you're running away from all battles, and maybe you will have gotten one of the skills that lessens damage by this point. But it's only lessening. And it's only on you at first, I think. There's three, lever three layers of that out? Yeah, I believe so. 
I believe it's you take less damage, party takes less damage, and then there's a nice one that actually nulls all status floors and damage floors. Yeah, yeah. That one, I think, um, do you get that one towards, like, the end of the game, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, that is uh, very late in the game. It's Six Sphere, you get it. Yeah, it's called Dr. Magus, so... Yup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're not going to hold off on that. You have to do this at least once the crappy way. But you can at okay. least get Omen Bug first if you're patient. True. Spoilers, I wasn't patient. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Um, also around this floor, you will run into Alex while you're walking around. Demeter will pop out and quickly hide you, and you'll see her walk off for something else to hunt after killing a demon. Uh, NPC demons in the area will talk about that woman who's going around killing everyone. It's very yeah. interesting that in the womb, demons are entirely willing to chat with you. They do not see you as hostile like in the main game. It's like, oh, you're just some guy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the boss of the second floor is Ishtar, probably the first real room clearer among the new bosses in the game. She's weak to lightning, but she has one of the dance moves where it randomly does two to four hits of an element that's wind element and also causes charm. So you can see how that would be a pretty good way to cut through your party. Yeah, Ugh. <laughs> had had some fun with this one, did we? Um, I, I always have fun when charm is is involved. Oh my god, I hate charm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you do have demons resistant to wind, if the attack doesn't land, or if they resist that, they resist the status as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's not. And yeah, so the best thing is just to try to bring in a party that's resistant to wind, and then you shouldn't have too much of a hard time with this. Yeah, this is this is around the Delphinus region, so you should be able to start crafting specific parties out of what the game has given you. Yeah, exactly. Uh around this point is Delphinus and the Third Sphere kind of cohabitate with each other. Jimenez will mention that she tried to kill him while he was possessed, but Bugaboo actually fought her off. This is just a new scene, and, you know, it's him talking to you in private after he's been cured. But yeah, exactly. this is also where Alex just starts stepping up the main characters must die. The third sphere is her hunting you consistently. Preset enemy search points will appear on the map. And if you step on one, it is just an instant ambush. There is no look at the icon and use it. However, they're consistent, they do not move, and what they do is if you are near one of them and walk away from it, it vanishes. So that's how you can tell if one is Alex or someone else. Yeah, and I believe they appear like when you're around, what was it, like three spaces before... Yeah, by this point um, they've given you the enhanced range, so you get three spaces of warning. Exactly, and then you just have to take essentially the long way around it in order to avoid that. And for what it's worth, they're very kind about this floor being pretty straightforward after you have that gun, because it's like, okay, you've you've mapped everything, you can walk on the squares that are choke points now. You can just walk through this place to get to go anywhere further afterwards. Yeah, exactly. The boss on this floor is Amon, who is weak to Alex, dying in a cutscene and leaving you to take her on for yourself. 
This is the first encounter with her that you can win, which she will write off as because her suit is damaged by the fight with Amon. Please note that if you clear this event, any fights against Alex in the endgame will now have her summoning Amon as one of her demons. So there's two, there's three tiers to Alex if you do a fight with her. There's if you did not do floor three of the womb of grief, anything less than that, she will just fight you solo. So if you just want to go through the game pretty easily, that's just leave that place alone. Uh, if you get to the final floor, but do not clear it, she will fight you with a second demon. We will get to in a little bit. And if you clear the place, you have the chance to just not fight her. But again, we'll get there. Yeah, there's also like a little extra thing. Um, depending on if you get to, I forgot what floor it is, but I know it's one of the late floors. Um, if she actually obtains uh, a certain, um, if she obtains a certain item, uh, one of the fruit, I believe. Um, and if you if you see that scene where she obtains the fruit, she'll end up getting a super powered up self form where she kind of shines golden and she's like much stronger. Versus if you don't actually see that, then you'll fight her normally. I did not actually know that was a distinction. Okay. Uh, yeah. For what it's worth, her aura actually changes depending on what route you're on. Oh, yeah, it does. That's true. Too. So gold is neutral. She'll have a blue or red one depending on law or chaos. Ah, right. Oh, okay, yeah. And I have a tendency to always play neutral, so I only see the gold or <laughs> yeah she she flat out goes super saiyan normally but then you realize on any other route oh no wait this is her alignment oh okay that makes sense that's pretty cool i like that little extra detail it, it is a nice touch and we should also mention since we did skip past this at this point demeter has asked you if you investigate the womb of grief to claim six fruits from the bosses who are sealed in this prison Mm -hmm. Alex will beat you to one, meaning that if you want to get all of them, you have to take her on or make a deal with her at endgame. Exactly. Demeter will also constantly refer to you and the fruits interchangeably as her harvest, and she's she gets a little creepier about this as time goes on. Yeah, which is a great... I really like that a lot, actually. So it makes you kind of start wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, at first she's hiding you, and okay, I can do this. And then later on, it's like, get them. Get my harvest. Yes, claim it. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about the fourth sphere, which is both the weakest in this place and also the biggest game changer. So first off, you are walking on little islands of land. There will be walls around most of them, but occasionally you'll see there's a space that has no wall, and that's when you can walk on invisible floors. If you walk on these, they get mapped, so it's not like you can't keep track of where you've been, but... A sub-app later will just let you look at these and see where they go instead of having to push off of each square in every direction to track them. Mm -hmm. 
it's pretty simple. There's only a couple of dead ends. There's a few teleports here and there, but go along the way that you haven't gone or go to what looks like a dead end on your map here and there. You'll get through it. This also has the weakest boss in this entire game, Forneus. He's a big... Imagine if an Imperial Star Destroyer got fat. <laughs> his art's bad. His fight's bad. He's weak to gun. He will die in like three turns to any reasonably leveled party. Serious. I feel like it's like a tradition of Mega Ten to have a Forneus battle that's incredibly disappointing, like right in the middle of the game. <laughs> However, to make up for this, the game decides this is where you have Alex going all out on you in the first real fight with her. And I actually love that this is one of the first times they do one of those I haven't seen this in the franchise moves before. She has elemental grenades. Yeah. So... What she will do if you ha trigger the skill is she will throw out... I think this one is only fire. And she throws grenades that transform the field with a visual effect showing you what status is going down. Every round, everyone takes a passive elemental damage. This still hits weaknesses, which means that if she throws the wrong thing, you need to change your team fast. Yeah. But it also hurts her, and it's pretty good just in terms of this is not a thing that you've done with this system to change up and later on she can change the element she's using with that so it's it's field control it's i am going to make this inhospitable for certain demons if you came prepared no big if you did not suddenly your powerful team is chip damaging themselves to death every move they make yeah which was really cool like Okay, it kind of reminded me of um, uh, the Pokemon games where you have those uh, field moves. Like, um, well, the main ones would be Sandstorm and uh, Hail, which is basically unless you have a certain your Pokemon's a certain typing that's resistant, you know, everyone takes chip damage at the end of each turn. So you have to really plan around that, like your strategy. So I thought that was like pretty, and it, it reminds me of that. And I thought, and I always thought that was such a cool mechanic. So it's cool to see that in this game. And I would love for them to bring that back and like incorporate that a lot more because imagine you having to, you know, change your demons on the fly in order to adjust to uh, any field conditions, you know? So that would, that'd be really awesome. Yeah, they basically made a poison status that you can't cure, which is fantastic, and can also inflict weakness. Exactly. It's an excellent bit, and we should also mention two other things about the fourth sphere. Mm -hmm. You come across Alex a few times before the actual fight here. The first is probably the biggest game changer because you see her looking at a hologram projection from the ring. If you recognize this character art, it is Louisa Fair holding a baby. Mm -hmm. Alex is the daughter of the devil. She does not seem to know her mother's identity, though, and will just refer to herself as human throughout the whole game. Yeah. So there's, there's that. Uh, her suit AI, George, will ask why she hesitated to kill Jimenez, and she says that Bugaboo's protection threw him off. That's not what she heard about this guy who, you know, was a real Warhawk monster. 
The second time, she's talking with George again, tried to parley with Zelenin, and it did not go well. Mistima is a threat that she needs to watch out for. And finally, you have the fight, but you don't get the fruit, so she's got one of those. Yeah, exactly. Um, This is also, I believe, the level in which uh, Demeter warns you about the uh, wardens, right? Yup. Um, which is a really, it's, it's optional, but I, I actually had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, you don't want to fight the wardens at this point at all. It's a very high no. level. Um, no, God, no. Yeah, <laughs> they will destroy you at this point. But it's something cool to come back to later once you've gotten to like one of the higher levels. Uh, basically what this is, is that um, as you clear off floors, like you defeat the, uh, the floor boss, uh, what happens is now that there's no one actually governing that floor, these wardens who are like basically crazed uh, brainwashed demons start taking over the floors and they start traversing them. So randomly in like enemy encounters, uh, you can actually like enemy search squares, you instead of encountering like one of the regular enemy searches, you can encounter one of the wardens instead. And there's five of them total. Um, they go in increasing order as you beat them. You have Isis, who starts at level 62, uh, Volvo at 67. Uh, is this how you say it? Cybel? I've um, heard it Cybel and Kybel both. I think Kybel would be how you would pronounce it with a Japanese okay. tongue. All right, so Kybel um, would be, is that at level 74? And then you have uh, Ananto at 78 and Kali at 86. Um, these bosses, while a lot of fun, um, they can get very frustrating. Um. <laughs> the big problem with them is that they're a variant on Alex as the hunter, where you can see the enemy search squares, but you don't have the warning that... Because with the Alex ones, if you walk away from them, it's like, oh, it vanished, that's Alex. With these, yeah. they just look like a normal enemy search, but they have the same, if you step on the square, the fight begins. No chance to dodge. Yeah, exactly. So they can spawn anywhere like any enemy search, and this means they can block major arteries and you have to just get off the floor to get around them. Yeah, exactly, you know. So and that's the key too, like once you're on the um once you're on floors that aren't protected anymore, you know, you have to be very careful. If you're not at the right levels to fight them, don't try to go to any enemy searches, you know, because like it's completely random when they'll appear. So that's like, and I kind of liked it too, because it is like an extra danger that you have to worry about if you're trying to, let's say, get certain items or complete certain quests or lower levels. Now you have to worry about these super powerful bosses uh, sort of running around uh, the place. And, you know, and also I was going to say too, the one move they have that is so frustrating is called Overdrain. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, that move is terrible. Basically, what it does is once you start giving them heavy damage, uh, they'll they'll start spamming overdrain, which drains MP and HP from you or your demons, and it's like huge chunks. So not only are you losing large chunks of your own MP and HP, but they're getting all that themselves, and they're healing themselves, and they'll just keep spamming it. So once you start reaching that point, you have to just kill them very quickly, or else you're going to have a really bad time. Yeah, they stonewall when they get down, and if they bring themselves up over that critical threshold again, they go back to their regular attacks. It's miserable. 
We should also probably point out from a lore standpoint, all of these are chaos demons, and they get progressively more insane, with Isis taunting you in text and Kali just screaming and screeching the entire time at the other end of the scale. Yeah, and one of them, I don't know if it was Kybell or not, but one of them actually threatens to castrate you, so that was fun. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was Volvo. It was Volvo, okay. It was either Volvo or Kybell, I cannot remember which. Yeah, so... Because <laughs> Ananto, Ananto is not really at the point of speaking anymore, and Kali is pure gibberish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's a threat you don't expect in an SMT game. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, by this point, we are around Fornax, uh, about where Jimenez volunteers to spy on Jack's squad. Zelenin will talk to you for the first time about meeting Alex. Okay, so um, basically during the uh, Fornax sector, you know, as he stated, this was when you uh, deal with the whole Jack squad thing, Jimenez volunteers to spy on them. So um, there's like a little extra cutscene when Zelenin approaches the MC about Alex. So, um, Zelenin is noticeably frightened and also aware that the only reason why she's alive is because Ms. Stammer was protecting her during this encounter. This is the, um, by the way, this was basically what was referred to earlier when Alex and, uh, George happened to be, uh, talking about when Alex was trying to parlay with Zelenin. So, basically, Alex had told her the world can't be changed by your ways. Uh, so then Zelenin asked the MC. Uh, who would be able to save humans? And so you can either reply ourselves or God. What was really interesting is that if you reply humans, um, then she'll feel like that humans are arrogant and that saving ourselves is probably like a pipe dream. But if you reply God, she actually disagrees with you, like completely just dismisses it. She doesn't want to hear it. And then (laughs) regardless of your choice, she still does want to work with other people. So, of course, that has huge implications for Endgame, especially if you choose her new law route. So I really, really liked how that one little scene actually was, like, excellent foreshadowing for a major part of her route later on. Zelenin's turn into the new route is a lot more organic than Jimenez's. And I I give them credit for that. Yeah, I agree with that. It is. It's like, um, because it's like, it, it really is based off of her personality because her personality is that she just wants people to be happy and get along. That's really just all she wanted. And then all of that got really warped so badly, you know, because that's what law rap does. They manipulate yeah. you, you know, because the same thing happened with uh, Jonathan and uh, Shimagami Tensei 4, where that was what he wanted. He just wanted people to be happy and live peacefully. And he was badly manipulated and warped. And so um, it, it, it works really well, like with her later route, that she she's if you choose the new route, she's able to kind of continue with what her vision was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the first of the modified teleporter mazes. And how these work is teleporters are all clearly marked. They will have in this floor flowers on them between one and six. You can only walk into the next one in sequence. So if you've walked through a six, it resets to one. There's a zero one that you can use to reset the chain. 
but you have to go through a one into a two into a three, etc. All the others will just be inert for you. So what you have to do is start looping through this sector, exploring as much as you can, and unlocking one-way door or gate search paths that can only be done from one side, hidden rooms, etc. Because if you don't, you're just going to be stuck in the same teleport loop over and over. But if you do, you can start sequence breaking by going from this room into the four in another room, or so on and so forth, and ending up in the actual final areas of the floor. The final chunk of the floor has Zeus. <laughs> Weak to wind, hits like a tank, has one of the best designs of any new demon in the entire game. When you walk in, you will find out that Alex is already encountering him, and she gets stomped. Uh, you're actually given the choice of whether you want to interfere or not, and you decide, for obvious reasons, that you're going to step out and take this one. She's blacked out, and so... The fight happens. It's a very good battle. Uh, Zeus is powerful... Zeus has a great design, which is a man split down the middle. He oozes confidence. He's black and white. And, like, electricity is running off his body. But not in a, I'm crackling with lightning, in a, I'm very charged up, I'm very dynamically drawn way. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like the reverse Flash is going out to the club. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because he, he's got a cocky look to him, but he, he has that always in motion, always dynamic style. Yeah. And I, I'm i going to be honest, I may make the piece of art of Zeus, like the art for this whole thing, because this is a great bit of art. It is. It's, I'm just floored at how good this design is for him. Like, like so. Hands down the standout of all the new stuff. Exactly. Which is saying something, because, you know, as we said earlier, you know, all of Doi's designs were great. So the fact that Zeus is this good. <laughs> like, if you told me that this Zeus was his audition piece for the studio, I'd go, all right, well, I see why you hired him. Exactly. <laughs> Future Fletcher cutting in here one more time. I noticed in editing that neither of us brought up one of the most interesting things about the Zeus fight. When you get him to half health, he will apply a new attack called Soul Canis to the battlefield which will freeze all buffs and debuffs on everyone who is around. You cannot raise your attack, or you cannot decaja, etc. it down. So, apparently this is a temporary thing, it only lasts a few turns, but I guess for both Alyssa and I, we proceeded to end the battle during this state, since I didn't see it in our notes. However, it's very interesting, because it means the whole back half of this fight, or... Well, I guess it goes in a few ways. I didn't know you could just play defensively and try and wait the move out. But you can also just try and lock him into a certain amount of weakness beforehand. Or buff yourself before getting the final hit that'll trigger it. And so it gives an interesting new tactical edge to this game where normally it would just be balance a boss at a certain amount of debuff so they don't wipe things or start over themselves. Anyway, thanks again. Okay, so basically, uh, a little bit uh, earlier, before you encounter Zeus, um, when you start delving into the, the floors a bit, 
Uh, basically, there's this demon who's been following Alex around obsessively. And he ends up asking the MC, what is he feeling? He's like described how he feels when he's around her. And then you realize that he's in love with her. Uh, and when you tell him that, he leaves kind of feeling really distressed because he's a demon and it's like, why would I be in love with a human? This is bizarre. Uh, later on, uh, you come across Alex sleeping like in a random room. And then George is, of course, aware. He warns you not to come any closer or you'll wake her up, which, um, you know, MC obeys. Uh, and then George reevaluates you and determines that you no longer wish to harm Alex. And he appreciates your actions and then asks you to leave since Alex is going to wake up soon, which was cool because they actually have the MC do this automatically. Like, he'll just immediately turn around and just walk out the door. And uh, I really like that touch because a lot of these little touches they added, it kind of makes the hero feel more human and gives him a bit more of agency because, you know, he'll do that. And it's not like you're making the choice whether to do this or not. Yeah. So, turning that yeah. into an automatic action rather than be letting you sass off the robot is much better to me because it's like, yeah, why would you not? Exactly. You know, it's like she's obviously tired. She needs the rest. She always like works herself to the bone. It's just like. You know, it's like, okay, I'll just, George is being nice. I'll just leave. And then, you know, if you want to ever, if you double back immediately um, into the room again, then they're both gone. So they actually, so I guess she had woken up and George got her out the room. So that's like a little extra bonus. Um, So uh, let's see, going uh, back to the uh, Zeus fight. So you know, as he as was described, once you arrive at Zeus' location, you know, and you interfere with the battle, which I'm going to mention, by the way, I thought it was kind of funny when I think about it. It kind of makes sense why she lost, because she's weak to lightning. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. I didn't even. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, and that's his element. That like, makes oh. perfect sense why that's the one boss that wrecks her. Yes. Exactly. So I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm also going to just admit this too. Like, I was kind of laughing and making fun of her. I was like, oh man, I guess you should have gotten different armors. And then I jump in the battle and then I realize too late that I have the armor weak to lightning as well. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, oh no. Oh, damn. Well... <laughs> Well, going around this season, that's the fashion. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. See, yeah, it was. I was like, wow, I just I just played myself. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I had that with um, one of the later bosses. I came real close to it. I had an accessory that saved me. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, yeah I, I just... think it's actually the next one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yup. <laughs> So um, after this fight's over, you know, you beat Zeus and everything. Um, basically, Zeus then warns the uh, MC about his sister, Demeter, and then he leaves. Uh, and then Alex is still alive, luckily, and George is able to reboot to her relief. Um, at this point, she, she won't thank you for saving her, but and instead takes her leave. Um, afterwards, though, you find a ring on the ground, which is called the Hollow Pendant. It's the same one that she was viewing the hologram off of before. So, I also want to point out just part of the Zeus's personality thing. He basically says, "That was a good fight. Let's, you know, we got to do that again." Uh, and so, when you summon him now that he's available to be fused, he will go, "All right, let's rock," because yeah. he totally recognizes you, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> 
he's just so I don't know why his enthusiasm and everything about this one character wins me over so hard. I agree. It's just great. I, I kept him in the very, very end game because he was just so cool. Like, I loved him. <laughs> I finally had to swap him out when I was at Memalef because that fight on neutral. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. That, so that was... we come to... The Sixth Sphere, and you can only do a little of this at first because you have to get to Horologium and unlock D before you can do everything else. But this place, the gimmick is pretty straightforward. There's dark areas, there's phase shifting, there's a lot of going back and forth between each phase to unlock the next door to progress in another, and it's an endurance challenge. There are not a lot of shortcuts until you're almost done with the place, you have to be able to navigate blindly unless you want to go through Horologium, and that's a risk because if you're on the Chaos Path, you might set off Alex. Ah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, before you can get the last visualizer. Oh, yeah, that's that's really true. Luckily, well, I was on neutral, but yeah, if you're in Chaos, you'd be really careful with this. Yeah, what we should mention at this point, since this is now endgame talk, is... Alex will show up for her final check with you in Horologium, for obvious reasons. The problem is that Law and Neutral get her after you beat Mem Aleph, and Chaos gets her before you fight Zelenin. Yeah. So that's a whole different amount of time, and that really limits what you can do. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, that is that's like kind of one of the issues with uh, Chaos, because of the fact that because it was, you know, it's the fact that in the original Chaos route, your final boss was Zelenin. So, yeah, it does mess things up a bit. And you have to be very, very, very careful with Chaos because you'll set it, you'll set events off very early if, you know, versus, like you said, Law and Neutral where things happen much later in the game. I will also point out that since we're talking about those endgame fights, we mentioned that all the character art had been redrawn for the main uh, law chaos neutral heroes. This is where they start doing the ones that were a real gut punch to me. Yeah. Because all of these characters get new post-battle sprites for boss fights with them, and they are beaten and bloodied as they can, as they talk to you in their final cutscenes, including gore. Oh, yeah, that was... (laughs) Fighting Gore is now so much of a gut punch because not only do you wreck him, not only does he still deny you as best he can, you get to see him, the dude who's been in this tux for half the game, wrecked and rotting from what assault you put on him. Yeah, and and it's tough because Gore is like... Well, I mean, I know I loved Gore. Like, I loved him in the very beginning... And I just, I just really like the fact that, you know, it's like he had such a strong, like, uh, love for humanity that even when he was brainwashed, you were able to pull him out of that brainwashing. And then he just still wanted to fight for humanity. So that alone already, like, punches you right in the stomach. And then, like you mentioned, when you see, like, the sprite art and everything drawn and he's, like, bloody and everything, it just really hits you harder. And Gore, Gore is the neutral hero that they want to write every time. Arthur is what we get. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so um, let's see. So going back to uh, the sixth spear, uh, once you first enter it, the uh, hero overhears George asking Alex what happened between her and the main character while he was offline, you know, during the Zeus battle. And why didn't she protest when he told her to withdraw at that point? She admits then because the hero beat her and then saved her. And that because he's so different from the version that she knows about, there might be a, a better way than, you know, like trying to kill him all the time without explanation. So <laughs> the um, MC shows himself and then Alex formally introduces herself, then thanks him for saving her. Um, she and George both reach a consensus that you're trustworthy and then they leave. Um, so the rest of the sixth spear at this point, you can only access once you receive the Clement Bell rare former. And that's what we were just talking about. Once you get to that point where you're now your law, your route is locked in. So either you're going to get that Clement Bell, you know, from Gore, Memaleef, the three wise men. Um, and, uh, and that'll create the app that you need to get through. Um, also there's a couple other apps that really help you out a bit to navigate, like Visualizer C upgrade. Um, and then also the floor search, what was it? Um, the floor search main app. Floor function. search is the invisible one that we mentioned last time. That'll just let you see invisible floors. Exactly. So those two are really, really, really helpful. If you're trying to go through the six path, I would highly suggest getting those, um, and also, um, because while you're in Sixth Spear, you know, you're traveling through the different sanctums. Um, if you'll, you'll come across that demon that I mentioned before, his name is, uh, Shaitan. Is that how you say it? Shaitan. Shaitan. It's effectively an older version of Satan. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So, all right. So yeah, Shaitan, uh, you'll come across again and he's basically, you're just hiding out and he's talking to Alex. He's confessing his love. So she tries to threaten his life to scare him off, but then it backfires because he ends up being like, no, I love you. Like either, you know, you accept me and let me come with you or we're going to fight. And if I have to die or kill you, whatever. So they end up fighting. Um, we should then, point out that this is the final gate that will change what her endgame boss form is. If you see this scene, she will now have him as a summon. Exactly. Yeah, because you you could you, you could guess that she would pretty handily beat him. <laughs> oh, but he's a pain in the ass in that fight. Oh, he is because he just heals and supports. That was the worst. <laughs> yep. So um, later on, uh, just before you fight uh, Maria, the uh, the floor boss, Alex stops you, and depending on your alignment, her opening lines change. Uh, your locked alignment does affect too as well what Maria says to you before the fight and how uh, Demeter treats you. Uh, naturally, of course, she hates Chaos Aligned MC because Demeter is a law-aligned demon. Um, basically, if you're on neutral path, she tells you it's not enough to... Um, well, this is Sorry, this is referring to Alex now. So if yeah. you're on the neutral path, Alex tells you that it's not enough to save the human race. Um, and then finally reveals to the MC that she's from the future. Uh, and then at, and she appeals to you to consider what she's been through to get to the path. She takes her leave. Was there any other, I'm trying to remember, that was the last spear, right? Before you have the, um, the end game stuff. Yeah, you, you fight Maria, but 
and we uh, did not go over this because we were talking about plot stuff. Maria, a.k.a. Mary, Mother of Jesus, surrounded by animals and spamming Expel like it's going out of style. This is the one that nearly took me out, except I had sacrifices on me. Ah, okay, that was good then. Yeah, uh, she... Basically, her fight is she's not high damage, but she's law like a motherfucker, spams light with every attack, doesn't hit particularly hard. You basically just need to have something that resists insta-death on a high chance. Exactly. Or if you can if you can manage to get like a complete nullification, but that's a little hard. But at least if you can resist it. Then, the, yeah, like you said, the battle's pretty easy because she doesn't... Her attacks are not very damaging at all. It's just the uh, it's just the expel that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And then once you take her out, the new ending paths are open to you at this point. So that that's the point where you can actually get access to those endings. You don't have to do them, but you yeah, can they give you a final them. choice exactly. But now you actually have the choice to get them. So that that's the um. So if you just want to, once again, if you just want the original endings at this point and you don't want to bother, then you probably, then you can just, uh, your last chance is not taking on Maria. And then you can still uh, just have the original choices. So. For what it's worth, I will just mention this as an aside. If you want to fill out the compendium fastest, the two paths you should take are Old Chaos and probably do that first because it's an easier one. And yeah. then new neutral. Yeah, exactly. Because there are bosses you fight on chaos who you cannot get as summons otherwise. a little interesting note is that they actually switched around some of the um, battle themes uh, with uh, Pillar Zelenian and Soil Humaness. In the original um, Strange Journey, it was Take the Shield, Raise the Spear, which uh, was actually also used for Memelief's final battle theme. So now what they do is that when you fight Pillar Zelenian, you get Holy Miracle. And then Soil Hemenes gets the Tyrannical Hero, which were actually their themes in the neutral paths. So I actually kind of like that touch because it was such a shame. Those are great songs. And it was a shame that you could only hear them in the neutral paths. So I like that now they actually take those songs and they also put them, if you're fighting in the Law and Chaos routes, those are their final battle themes. So I thought that was a really, really cool touch. So uh, let's see. So next up... um, if you know you uh, decide to continue on with um, the new paths, basically how it works is that um, <clears throat> once you get to the the bottom floors of the uh, normal uh, final uh, dungeon, uh, holo- what was it? Hologium. Horologium. Yeah, hol- horologium. If you're on the final uh, floor of uh, horologium. And you encounter Alex. And like I said, we said before, the timing of this depends on what route. But basically, you know, you'll encounter Alex. And this is your final point 
and which you can choose whether to go on the neutral, I mean the new paths or the original. Um, in order to just pick the original uh, endings, basically when um, Alex is trying to make a deal with you and you're with you know whoever you're paired off with depending on your route, you basically just outright reject her. And then you know at that point, George is like, all right, there's no point in talking to these people anymore. We just have to fight. And then now you have your boss battle with Alex and depending on how, you know, high you got in, um, in a womb of grief, you know, that'll change how that battle works. And then after that, you go right into your, uh, old endings. If you want the new endings, what happens is that when Alex tries to talk to you, you know, you actually have a chance now to uh, speak with your companion and actually con and, and along with Alex actually convince them that what they were going to go along with isn't the right thing. Like for instance, when it's Elenine, you know, um, you're basically, you know, you're showing her like, Hey, listen, uh, when Alex tells you about how her world is that basically people like her who uh, are immune to Zelenine's song get hunted down and killed by the angels. And it's a horrible world. And Zeleny, you know, can be like a bit horrified by this. And then you can convince her, like, is this what you really want? Didn't you just want everyone to be happy and live peacefully? And then, you know, if you do that, then Zeleny's like, yeah, like, I didn't want people to just get killed like this. And then she'll end up agreeing with Alex. And then now you go on to the new uh, law path. And then with Jimenez, it's a very similar thing, you know, when Alex points out how um, in, uh, in the chaos world, Basically, she's the last human because since everyone's just killing each other constantly, it's, you know, it causes the end of humanity. And she was the strongest human. So she was taking down everyone who tried to attack her. And now she's the only one left. And it's kind of like, is this what you really wanted? Because weren't you just about being unified with demons? Because, you know, uh, Bugaboo ended up saving you and then you fuse a Bugaboo to save its life. And once, you know, Jimenez realizes that too. It's like, wait, I didn't actually want people to go extinct. <laughs> so. But the big issue here is that if you are neutral, you will have George and Arthur both contact one another and they will be who discusses this. And whatever you do to change onto the new path, Alex will give you her ring for safekeeping and good luck and vanish because her future has changed. Exactly. So. At this point, she has given you the fourth fruit, the one you were missing, and Demeter takes them from you, goes, ha ha, God is great, suckers, and vanishes. <laughs> exactly. So, as a result, you get to follow her through the other end of the womb of grief into the Empyrean Ascent, a two-floor dungeon that is just approaching heaven. There is a new style of teleport puzzle here, which is a little more of a puzzle than a maze. Each teleporter has one through six masks on it. Every time you enter one, keep track of what you just triggered. If you entered that, you know, like say you went in a two mask, watch for a three mask teleporter, because the number you just entered plus one will now not fire. Everything else will throw you back to the start of this maze. The trick is you want to map out as much as you can and just remember, okay, all of these are twos. So if I go through a two, I can cross a three safely. How do I get to a three from the start? How do I get? To... And it's a lot of finding doors, 
making little incidental progress. And that is it. Like Groose, the final floor here will not unlock completely until New Game Plus, locking you out of a large chunk of the place. Unlike Groose, Chest Radar and Enemy Search will pick up on those other rooms, which is kind of irritating because it's like, did I miss something? Oh, no, no. I had to find maps to figure that out. <laughs> exactly. So that was a bit bizarre that they didn't just keep that out of it, like how they did with uh, Groose. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so basically just some uh, notes on uh, the new routes, like final bosses and other little things. Um, so after you, you know, you finish the Imperial Ascent, Imperial Descent, uh, Ascent, by the way, uh, it just refers to the place above the firmament, you know, heaven, specifically the yeah. highest point of heaven in which God and the most divine beings dwell. Um so basically, Shekinah is the uh, final, new final boss. And you, and she is basically a fusion of the three wise men, which, you know, if you're playing this game, if you play the original or even the new one, you obviously know the new three wise men, their whole plot. They're basically the, the uh, law sort of allies, in a sense. Um, and you fight her after Memaleaf if you choose to side with Alexa. You know, you, tra you traverse the final spear of the uh, Imperial Scent. Uh, so basically, Shekinah means dwelling or settling. And it refers to the divine presence of God. So basically, in rabbinic uh, literature, it states that when three sit as judges, the Shekinah is with them. And it's also referenced in the Gospel of Matthew where two or three people are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. So basically that makes the three wise men the judges of humanity in this case, or those gathered in God's name, which invokes Shekinah. Um, also, Shekinah is female in Redux because the concept of Shekinah denotes the feminine aspects of the presence of God. So for people wondering, like, why do three guys fuse into a woman? That's why. <laughs> so... Um, her difficulty uh, varies very heavily because unlike a boss like uh, Mema Leaf, which uh, RNG, you know, can ruin your day if she chooses specific attacks, uh, Shekina is both her own boss and then and then becomes a progression of the, all the fruit bosses, like all the past boss floors of uh, Womb of Grief, and basically consumes everything in her path to continue living, including D uh, Demeter near the end of the fight. Uh, this comes with a phase shift and new patterns and resistances. And if you're lucky like me, uh, you got the nastiest ones first. And then for the fifth out of six, you got Fornius, allowing you to cut <laughs> off 25% of its life in one turn and skip an entire phase. <laughs> exactly. So, so bless up to Fornius. <laughs> oh, yeah. Praise be to Fornius. Let me jump on the word of God. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I I was legitimately pleased because it's like, oh god, this is nasty. I'm getting all the red. I got Zeus first out the gate. I gotta Ooh. keep healing everyone. Oh, you're weak. To, you're weak to gun. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> yup. And so I just I just spent a turn. I set off one of the commander abilities to buff everyone, and it was just. 
a chain of combo and combo and combo and combo. Yeah. Literally 25% of her life in one round. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, that's it's very uh, satisfying doing that. And this is this is not as hard a boss as Memolef. If you could crush that, you can do this. I agree. This boss though was more to me was way more interesting. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because you know Memolef was just basically like you know you just you just had to pray that RNG wasn't going to screw you over and just had to try to fight her as quickly as possible. But this battle with Shekina was so cool because um it was so puzzle based so you know you really had to like pay attention to um the fruit and the move sets that shekina used and like you actually have to change your party composition because also shekina has a move in which um she'll basically block a certain alignment from being able to hit her so you actually have to come in that battle with uh, actual full functional parties of different alignments. So once Shekina starts doing that, you can now you have to now switch to a new alignment and start attacking her with that. But that was really for what it's worth. There's a new sub app that actually makes this less crippling than you would think. Yeah. Because it will allow your commander to get in on any combo, regardless of what alignment that demon is. Yes, yes. So this means you can continue giving boosts along with them, even if, say, you suddenly have to switch to a chaos party for a round and you're on the law route. Yeah, exactly. Um, Would that be what you're talking about, Spearhead? That commander? Yes. Yeah, so that one one is also really good, too. If you just basically want to create a a really broken party with a gun amp, gun boost, charge, and then riot gun combo. Just have, like, all your demons have that, those skills, and then just destroy. (laughs) It was just crush, crutch, everyone combos, everyone combos, everyone combo, and dead. Exactly. So that, that's a, um, so you can do that as well. So Spearhead's really, really cool for that. Um, also a note on Demeter, uh, Demeter's true alignment being law-based actually does make perfect sense, even though she is a p- uh, pagan god. So it seems a little weird at first, like, why would a pagan god, you know, side with a Christian god? But uh, basically, uh, being a goddess of agriculture, uh, Demeter is heavily associated with law and civilization due to the development of agriculture leading to the start of modern society and everything that comes with it. So her ultimate fate also makes sense as it directly references her and most other gods and religions being cannibalized by Christianity for the good of law and order. And then her parting words reflect the nature of her and her life's work being gone and forgotten. So it's actually a little like bitter, even though I don't like Demeter, it's still very bittersweet kind of seeing that happen. And since you can only unlock her for fusion on a new game plus they get a little meta with her just like with zeus yeah if you summon her she will go oh it's uh it's you uh my, my harvest <laughs> <laughs> like she's very nervous about it because like oh you know what i did yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoops <laughs> yeah now At this point, having crossed this boundary, you get one of the three new endings. So we went into a little bit of things. We went into how her fight gets different uh, in her strongest form, the sprite changing things. 
Uh, Zeladin or Jimenez can accompany you into the Empyrean Ascent if you want on the Law and Chaos routes. And each of these has a few changes to the structure of the story throughout the game. So, in order, we're going to go Law, Chaos, Neutral, because Neutral is probably one of the darkest things this series has done, if you ask me. Oh, it is. On New Law... I mentioned on the original Strange Journey cast that they're very cagey about whether capital G God is involved in the actual events of the game. And on this one, Mistima outs himself as being less than faithful to God because the arrival of Shekinah is less than ideal for his own plans. So Mistima was a rogue agent, and Zelenin, after her chat with Alex, agrees that her song should be one of virtue, not blind obedience. The future is one of calm peace, and you have basically, it is implied, doomed the world the next time this Scorchwelt appears. The same way the original neutral path doomed the world. Mm. New Chaos. Mm -hmm. Probably the most hopeful of any ending. Jimenez and Alex's conversation shoots down his belief that only the strength is worthwhile, and she pointed out that he would be long dead had he not fused with Bugaboo, a stronger being. His path then goes from crush the weak to trying to reform demons both in image and deed, sort of returning to the balance a lot of the bosses spoke of throughout the game. You used to have such a beautiful spirit. Mankind used to rely on us for protection until they created weapons stronger than anything we ever could to hurt each other, etc. And so man and gods have a symbolic harmony feeding and sheltering one another. The ending implies this is probably the only future in which we can survive another Schwarzfeld event. Yeah. Then there's New Neutral. So, if you are familiar with 2001 A Space Odyssey and its sequel, 2010 The Second Odyssey, Dave Bowman, who is a character that the main character in this is slightly based off of with a little more Asiatic features becomes a being known as the Star Child. It's the big fetus you see at the end of the movie, if you saw that. In the second novel, he takes HAL 9000 before it can be destroyed and brings it along as a companion, someone who's on his level of intellect, and so he has some tether to the human he once was in his new form. You and Arthur become the Star Child and HAL 9000 because... In Neutral, Alex has told you that when you all got back, nobody learned any lessons from the Schwarzveld because, hey, we beat it once. Next time, they don't have you around, and the second generation is destroyed, obliterated. So, they basically say there will be another event because no one will change. Arthur can't leave the Schwarzveld because he's not willing to let his data be used with all the tech they've found. So you take the fruits and become an immortal, and Arthur joins you because he can't leave the Schwarzveld, dwelling on the moon. Your character still does not speak for this ending, so there's only a little bit of dialogue as you look down on Earth with a jury-rigged Arthur on a few boxes and Alex's holographic pendant being the only human contact around. A small dot appears on the South Pole, and Arthur just speaks the following. Seventh iteration of Schwarzveld formation detected. 150 years have transpired since our last operation. Do you still feel human? You just walk off the moon. 
was I remember when I saw that 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 was it was so powerful the way it was done like just really 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 well done but like you said it's very very bleak and it's very kind of sad too just seeing that sort of um uh um solitude that the uh protagonist has to end up uh going through you know and the implications there you don't know if this cycle is becoming I've seen some people read it as it's getting faster if there's only 150 years since the last one. That's what I saw it as too, yeah. And someone else missing, I know oh, some people, I had to have the quote found for me again so I could get this right. A couple people read it as it's been seven events in 150 years, so it's like, whoa! Yeah. But yeah, uh, the, it is just solitude, you are on the moon you can probably establish that it's been at least a millennia of this just based on that time scale and there's also something about the fact that you don't see anyone else on the moon we don't leave earth we don't make space colonies in this world yeah so it's it's pretty uh it's <laughs> it's pretty bleak yeah on this note, there's one quick bit from that interview we kept referencing throughout here. Uh, Jeremy Parrish and director Eiji Ishida talked about a little bit after this game's release. Mm -hmm. One of the things they mentioned is that we would like to consider a sequel, and we actually have ideas for a story and new game experiences. I kind of wonder if you wouldn't be using this ending if you continued the story, or if it would just be another Schwarzfeld cycle. Right. Which... Which would be really interesting if they went with this uh, neutral ending and kind of... Because that would actually be pretty cool. Like, you know, kind of like uh, you have this hero who's been staving off the Schwarzfeld, but it's kind of like it's not stopping. He's just defeating it. And then maybe it's kind of like the new... The sequel would be, you know, trying to stop it for good. Yeah, do you do you continue trying to break the cycle? Do you have humans come in who you have grown distant from and you have to deal with them too? Yeah. I could see how there would be a lot of ways off that. Or really any ending that isn't the new law you could do something with. That's true, yeah, I agree. It's um I did want to mention something about the new law. I I feel like that definitely there was implication that if another large-scale event happens, humans wouldn't be able to stave it off. I don't think that would be the Schwarzfeld, only because the Schwarzfeld is, like, implicitly stated to be something that appears when humanity uh, um, reaches that point of that they are consuming too much and they're doing too much to the planet and they're being too violent and horrible. And, you know, the whole point of the, that new law is that everyone's living in peace and harmony. And they did say, too, that you know, progress did slow down because of the fact that humans aren't so, like, horrendously driven. But, you know, everyone's just kind of relaxed and at peace. So I don't think a Schwarzfeld would appear for that world. But I do realize that if something else happens, like if you have another demonic invasion, or what if God comes in? That's the biggest threat to me. What if God comes in, doesn't like what Zelenian has done, and decides that, God with a capital G, you know, wants to uh, eradicate this and put out his vision, you know, then we'll have an issue because humans don't have that drive for fighting anymore. So That's true. And yeah, I, they do, 
have the implication that this way could lead to catastrophe. But they, yeah, that was my interpretation of the Schwarzveld being the culprit. You're uh-huh. right that it's not specifically said to be that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just thought that'd be, you know, interesting. And then with New Chaos, I did really like this ending too because I don't know, it just kind of seems very fun. Like it's like an adventure, you know, like this new age of like exploration. Like it just seems very exciting to me. So I really like this ending a lot. It seems like a very good bridging of, yeah, the the old ways and the new in a harmonious balance as opposed to, you know, we must consume and crush and that will be the new truth. Exactly. So, yes, I really like this one. The only thing that stinks is because I I always want to get this ending, but it just stinks because everything you have to do to get it. (laughs) Yeah, it's especially if you want to get old neutral old neutral now sucks out loud to achieve it does because they because you now have to kill memalef ma and then whatever form of alex (laughs) in a gauntlet exactly oh my god yes yeah that was the nastiest one for me just because i was never in a great state after the ma fight which you wouldn't be because that fight was so cheap Yeah, that that fight is a nasty. So that is easily the worst non-bugged boss in this franchise. I agree. Ugh. So new game plus. Okay. Did you do much of this? Um, I did a little bit of it. Um, I know all <laughs> the features that comes with it. Um, but I didn't get a chance to really explore super deep into the um, the uh, uh new Imperial Ascent. Or anything like that, but um, then why don't you talk about the features, and I'll just give you a quick overview of the new content. Awesome. All right. So with uh, the new features, you have um, new difficulty settings that unlock: uh, casual, standard, expert, and impossible. Uh, out of the four, impossible cannot be switched out once chosen, and it disables the sub app March to Death, which was the one that uh, permits the game to continue upon MC Death. It also disables the no level cap on future on fusions feature. Basically, that was the feature that's given like when you get to new game plus of any of the other difficulties where you could just, you know, um, have, summon your end game yeah, party. Exactly. Right from the beginning and impossible disables that. So, you know, uh, features that are automatically carried over into new game plus would be the total hours played demon stop count. Uh, demon analyst level, amount of demons defeated, unlocked special demon fusion, uh, any developed items in the labs, and your demon compendium. And then there's certain features that are optional to carry over. And the game actually lets you carry over some. You can choose whichever ones. Uh, You can carry over all of them. Or if you want to grade a challenge, you carry over none of them. Um, So you can uh, optionally carry over Maka, your forma, uh, any expendables, uh, your equipment, sub-apps that you have currently, uh, player level and experience, your auto-map progress, and then, of course, on any difficulty other than impossible, the uh, no-level cap on fusions. For what it's worth, I'm going to point out about the auto-map progress, you still don't get your old auto-map stuff as counted as being done for the Dantalian quest. Yes. So you have to remap everything, but... There is a New Game Plus app that turns your... You you have a field around you at all times, which is usually used for enemy and forma search. This starts filling out the whole map. 
and it will count for Dantalian. So if you have that sub app, you just use that instead if you want to finish the Dantalian quest. Exactly, yeah. So, um, let's see. So you also have, um, you know, just as as a New Game Plus boss rush pillar in Sector Antlia, you also have one in the Womb of Grief that lets you fight past bosses in um, that dungeon as well. So that's a really cool thing. And then, you know, you could talk about the Imperial Ascent since I know you did a way more detailed playthrough of that than I did. Yeah, so on New Game Plus, you will run into Louisa Fair a few times in the Empyrean Ascent. In the original playthrough, she talks to you once before you go into the end, basically. In the other one, she will recognize that this is not your first rodeo and opens up the rest of the floor to you, as well as assigning you a challenge to fight four bonus bosses who are stronger than Demiurge the original super boss of this game. They are Belial, Lucifuge, Nebrios, and Beelzebub. Each of them will get you a massive piece of equipment, allow you to summon them, and at this point, if you do that, nothing will ever challenge you in this game again because you have to make such finely honed weapons of war out of your party. Because the Demiurge was from a game where you did not have demon incenses farmable and you just had to very carefully fuse things in this game they expect that you will be doing that because the womb of grief has a lot of format that let you farm those up Mm -hmm. you probably have a party of 99 99 99 whatevers and you have likely got more money than god to fuse whatever you like in skills we're not even talking about some of the sub apps that let you do things like transfer two skills over from a demon source or so on so yeah they recognize these bosses are designed to be four different challenges for people who are power gaming with every tool available to them they're not fun (laughs) i did them i wanted it done they're not fun (laughs) no they're not from what i've heard (laughs) no Uh, They are either specifically resistant to all but one set of attacks. One of them has a very Mother Maya, if you hit me with anything that is not the specifically allowed thing, I will almighty your party. No. Unless you are the super boss type, and you already know if you are or not, don't do this. (laughs) Exactly. It's, It's probably not worth it. And like you said... You know, you get the best equipment in the game, but then it basically renders all the challenge obsolete, so it's kind of no point in doing it, almost. Yeah, the only reason you would be doing this if you were not the challenge hunting type is, Alright, I filled my compendium. Yeah, basically. That's it. Yeah, so... And I think that is it. Do you have anything else you want to say about Deep Strange Journey? Um... Nothing else that I can think of, really. Then, I believe at this point, we will be signing off. Again, I'm Fletcher. And I'm Elisa. This was Mega 10 Marathon, and we hope you enjoy whatever comes next. (laughs) Take care. And one final note from Editor Fletch. 
I want to point out that the tracks used throughout this episode were mostly new music from Deep Strange Journey, being the Battle with Alex and different parts of the Womb of Grief area music, as well as the opening being Rislim from Akira Yamaoka's album I Future List, because I just wanted to bring us in with something a little heavier to suit the usual theme. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this. I do again recommend picking up the game if you in any way enjoy a good dungeon crawler. And good night, please enjoy. And this is where a poem about Jack Frost would go, were I one of your normal hosts. But I'm not, I'm a guest, and I can do whatever I want. So there!